Welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. I'm here to welcome you into the world of orgasmic living by hosting experts to discuss orgasmic topics such as nutrition, spirituality, personal development, sexuality, and much more. Here, we will offer lifestyle lessons that can help you lead a fulfilling, joyous, and orgasmic lifestyle. I'm your guide, Venus O'Hara. Welcome to the 36th episode of the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. In this Cold Moon episode, I'll be discussing fantasies and the erotic imagination. I'll be sharing a fetish story called Zentai Fantasies. Then I'll be discussing the book I'm reading now, which is More Than a Woman by Catelyn Moran. And finally, we'll be experiencing a guided meditation with affirmations for sexual fantasies. But first, let's talk about my experiences and the discovery of my erotic inner world, imagination and sexual fantasies. Today I wanted to talk about erotic imagination and fantasy and cultivating the inner world. I think I have definitely cultivated my inner world incredibly well. And I think it's a huge, um, important resource, actually. It makes me feel as though I have this inner refuge that I can access at any time. It means that getting a plane is not so boring. I can just close my eyes and enter this safe space inside me. Or even if I can't sleep, I can use it as well. I would connect this inner space to meditation as well. Meditation definitely helps me to cultivate and strengthen my inner world. And I wanted to talk about this for several reasons. In my personal life, I have a friend who's going through a separation. and She really cannot handle being alone. She's always had people around her, things to do, family tasks, etc. And she hasn't had time to kind of stop in the silence and look at herself and think, what do I need to do now? or maybe I don't need to do anything now. And also I gave a workshop a few months ago all about the clitoris. And there was one girl who uh, was from a country that where, let's say, women are not very, um, sexuality is not encouraged, let's say. And she had recently lost her virginity to her boyfriend at quite an advanced age compared to many of us. And she just was completely flabbergasted and asked, is that it? Is that all sex is about? Why is everyone going on about it? And then she confessed that she actually had fantasies about an encounter that wasn't with her boyfriend, even though she didn't really want to do it. And I assured her that your fantasies is your is free reign. It's a special territory that can definitely help you to get orgasmic. And that's not how it has been for me. I think with sensations and and um, let's say pleasure, it's not just about something feeling good on a physiological level. I think there's much more to it. For me, definitely my, my brain is probably my biggest erogenous zone. And as soon as I made this connection with my brain and, and my imagination, I feel so um, orgasmic. And I think that some people get frustrated that a lot of my sex toys have positive reviews and they don't quite believe it. 
But it's not really about the toy. It's about what I'm thinking and how I've really cultivated this part of me. And I'm also now giving orgasmic coaching to a friend of mine who's never had an orgasm. I've given her a sex toy, but a sex toy is just part of the work. I think in integrating fantasy as well, getting to know that part of you and being okay with fantasizing about things and people that might not be available to you is is just okay. And you can do that without feeling guilty. For example, this friend in, in, in question is really fancying someone who has a position of power in her life and he's also in a different relationship. But I think if, if that idea of him is going to get you to destination orgasm, who cares? Because I think there are two different things. There's an, um, a fantasy is something that maybe you don't really want to do in real life and a, and a desire is something you definitely want to do. And sometimes there can be, it's a bit fuzzy, the line between both of those things. But for me, I find it sometimes difficult to fantasize about someone that I genuinely want to be with in in my personal life. I can just maybe the thought of them can stimulate me. But when I get down to business, I'm thinking about other, thinking about other things. And um, and I think there are many ways that you can cultivate your erotic imagination. And I think, for example, reading books is a great way. Not everyone enjoys reading books, but it depends on the books you read. Um, it could be fiction and it could be books around sexuality. I know I have read incredible books about sexuality and um, just knowing about the wonders of the clitoris and um, the anatomy is, is makes you, for me, it really helps me. Oh, I think it can def- definitely help overcome any guilt. I think um, the clitoris has so many incredible um, pleasure-provoking virtues that it would be a pity not to use it and not to uh, make the most of the gift. And so I think anything about anatomy or the wonders of orgasm definitely stimulates me and makes, makes me think, yeah, I should, I want to have an orgasm now to celebrate this wonderful, wonderful gift. And also I think um, different scenarios and different stories can really turn you on as well. And that takes time, of course, and also some erotic movies. I'm not really into porn, as I've mentioned many times. Um, I'm not judging anyone who is, but I've never found it to be it's never, it's never really stimulated my brain. Um, I've always been more interested in the dynamics between characters, those long staring gazes and tension and ex- extra long buildups of seduction. I really love that. And for example, I w- recently watched the series Outlander, the first series, way too much violence for me. That was incredibly difficult and uncomfortable to watch in places. But when... Um, I can't remember the names now of the characters, but it, it was kind of an advanced part of the story when Jamie and Claire finally got it on. And it was just so beautiful. And I was thinking, wow, because it's obviously there's a lot of emotion involved in the characters. And even though it's not real sex, it's way more stimulating than watching some porn thing with real sex where it just boils down to in, out, in, out, shake all about. And, and there's just nothing between the characters really. Um, yeah, so if I've been watching porn in the past, I've usually forwarding those bits. I want to get to the conversations and the, the dynamics between the characters. So maybe, maybe I'm different in that way. But, and there's also lots of things can be, that can be non-sexual that I can find stimulating as well. And I've always been turned on by formality, the kind of formality that I grew up with in the UK. Um, for example, when I think about, you know, being told off at school and people shouting at you, that tension, 
you know, it's terrifying when you're in that, really in that situation. But in a role play scenario, I love it being really shouted at and, and told off and being told that I'm a disgrace and I'm provocative and all of that. So things like that have really, really turned me on. And I think this all started for me when I was uh, about 17. I I had a boyfriend, my first boyfriend, and I was like so in love and I would do anything for him. He was just, I couldn't believe that we were together because he was the most desirable man in my world. And, and I was living a dream to have him in my life and to lose my virginity with him. And I really enjoyed penetrative sex. I had orgasms um, very quickly, very easily, which is something that would bewildered my friends and my, me included because I was what, reading magazines and I realized that it, was, well, it wasn't like that for most women. But because of our age, um, his parents were not happy about us going or being alone in his bedroom. I guess people were afraid that we would, I would get pregnant by accident, and and so we were not allowed to to be alone with a with a closed door. So sometimes when I went to go and see him, I had to sit in the kitchen when um, next door there was they were the parents or the family were in in the lounge with the door open watching the TV. And then one day when we were in this particular situation, we started doing a role play and it was just with conversation. And that for me was so liberating because when I was, I was a virgin, he wasn't, I felt very awkward and inexperienced when I was around him because I knew that I wasn't his first, he was my first. But this um, adopting a different role just kind of made me blossom in, in a in a mental, <laughs> sexual way, in a cerebral way. And I started kind of finding myself saying things that I would never say in my normal persona. And it was incredibly liberating. Also, I just found it just the conversation was like a, um, a competition of wit who could be more provocative. And I think it was something really kind of basic about, um, it was like the Nescafe advert, you know, knocking on someone's door for coffee and you're the, you're the neighbor. And I think that I was um, pretending to be some kind of porn star neighbor or something like that. It was really funny. And um, and then I could just see in his eyes that it was just turning us on so much, even though our, our we were kind of, you know, keeping the noise down, keeping our voices down so that no one could hear the contents of our conversations. And then when he walked me home, we just walked into the in, into a park and just had sex, like penetration straight away. And I was already aroused and ready and it was just fantastic then I got the bus home and it's like oh my god but this build-up of this that was purely verbal was such a big turn-on for me and that for me um sparked this whole new thing about you know really exploring imagination in a sexual context especially with role play it was so liberating to become someone else I've not found many people in my life with whom I've actually who've activated this side of me. It's kind of a playful, but also intellectual side because it's very cerebral, this type of connection. It's not about how you're caressing someone's tits or, or anything like that. It's just all in the mind. And sometimes I, what fascinated me was just from pure conversation without even touching, I could be so wet, so aroused. And yeah, it's just so hot. But um, yes, yeah, so I, I definitely consider myself to be a sapiosexual, which is someone who is turned on by intellect, definitely. I'm definitely in my head a lot of times where sexuality is concerned. It hasn't always been like that. It's not always like that, but um, it's a big part of who I am. And I really believe that, um, you know, developing your imagination 
and can be very helpful um, in, in all aspects of life. I think also if you're into manifestation, which I am, uh, which is trying to make kind of law of attraction type things and se- um, sex magic, I think having an active imagination really helps. And also I'm a, I'm a creative person, I'm a writer, um, so that definitely helps. You need to have imagination. But I also find it interesting that something that in, in essence is non-sexual can become a sexual thing and um, that's part of the story I'm sharing today called Zentai Fantasies which is a crazy fantasy where I'm just in my office trying to write an article and then I get distracted by these Zentai suits and Zentai is a type of fetish well it wasn't intended to be a fetish but it's basically an all-in-one spandex suit that also covers the head and um, they have been used fetishistically as well and I just think hmm Wow, I'm not really. I mean, if someone sent me a Zentai suit, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't really be that bothered. But it's just the thought of it in a fantasy context, which I find to be quite alluring. Yeah, so it's not hard. It's not easy to find um, that connection. Really, someone who's getting into your fantasy world and um, and creating a scenario of role play where you perhaps you can reinforce the roles with different costumes and dialogues but it's definitely something to explore especially I I would recommend that for for couples who've been together for a long time and for singles I think it's really it's a really good idea well it has been it's worked for me anyway to actually really explore um books and and films and um and just to really discover what turns me on and I call it erotic homework so I think these little, these triggers can definitely help you at the time of masturbation or if something is not working in a sexual scenario, you can kind of like resort to this fantasy and then it can help you have an orgasm. Because I've actually, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier now, but I actually gave um, one of my friends who's not, never had an orgasm, I've given her a sex toy, but I'm trying to guide her about how to use it, not to try and just, you know, put the vibrator against the, the clitoris and expect miracles. I think you have to be engaged on a mental level, maybe also with breathing and also with the pelvic floor and also to know your erotic triggers so that you know what to think about that's going to get you going. And also if you're having a vibrator, you can have that as part of the fantasy and imagine it's this person you want to be with and that's their, it's their fingers or it's their their penis or something like that. But yeah, I think um, fantasy is so important and I wanted to make this to kind of encourage people to um, enjoy and explore the fantasy world, the inner world, because wherever you go, it's always with you. Are you looking for a new sex toy? Maybe you have no sex toys. In case you are, I recommend checking out satisfier.com. That's S-A-T-I-S-F-Y-E-R dot com. So it's like Satisfier, but with a Y instead of an I. And on that website, you will find a huge selection of pleasure products, many to choose from for couples, for men, for women, for clitoral stimulation, dual stimulation, anal stimulation, whatever you want. And with the discount code VENUS, you can enjoy 30% off any of your orgasmic purchases. So check out satisfier.com and use the discount code VENUS for 30% off. Enjoy. Time for this episode's erotic stories, Zentai Fantasies. 
by Venus O'Hara. Zentai Fantasies by Venus O'Hara. At this moment, I should be working on an article, but I'm thinking about Zentai instead. In fact, I just can't seem to get it out of my mind. And it's been like this ever since I came across this kink. For those who are still unaware of it, Zentai is a Japanese term for skin-tight suits that cover the whole body, even the face and the head, and they are usually made from spandex. Although their origin was not sexual, they have attracted a certain kind of fetishistic attention, and many people are attracted to their potential to provoke. I wonder if I should get my very own Zentai costume. With this in mind, I abandon my article and find myself, yet again, doing a search on Amazon to browse their ever-increasing selection of Zentai designs. After perusing several pages of colourful outfits, I'm transported to a fantasy world somewhere very far away. At first, I can't help laughing at how ridiculous some of the patterns are. The crazy graphics and repeated motifs are amazing, and one that resembles a printed tuxedo, complete with a bow tie, is worthy of extra attention. Beyond the novelty, pattern designs are the classic single colour ones. They seem to draw much more attention to the figure and make a statement about its importance. I cannot help but begin to imagine the scandalous outline of my camel toe and my hard nipples poking out through my own Zentai costume. I wonder, all of a sudden, whether anyone has tried Zentai yoga. I Google it just to check. Yes, it's already been done. I run through the numerous pages of Down Facing Dog and Sun Salutations in clinging Zentai outfits. Then, almost without realising it, my hand makes its way downwards until it nestles between my crossed thighs. I can even detect the aroma of my sweet nectar. I think I should lie down. Without further ado, I get up from my desk and go straight to my bedroom. This is the wonderful thing about working from home. I can take a spontaneous orgasm break whenever I feel the need to. I locate my favourite vibrator, lie down, switch it on and place it against my throbbing clitoris. After closing my eyes, my mind wanders. I imagine the sensation of the Zentai spandex enclosing and caressing my curves. I feel naked even though I'm dressed. It seems like latex in my fantasy, but it's much more comfortable and easier to wear. If I try to analyse the elusive aspect of Zentai that turns me on, I end up focusing on its arousing anonymity. Although wearing something so skin-tight should make me self-conscious, the fact that my head and face are also covered has the opposite effect. The fact that I'm anonymous is incredibly liberating, and I'm tempted by the exhibitionist behaviour that only Zentai can allow. 
I envisage a variety of Zentai scenarios. For example, doing mundane things while clad in a Zentai suit is more than enough to make me twitch. I like the idea of going to the supermarket with no one knowing who I am. I'm enticed by the prospect of freaky Zentai dancing or even going to a nightclub where I'm the only one who is completely covered up. Everyone's eyes would be on me. I could not see them, but I might feel their stares caressing my body. I would dance as if no one was watching, and I would be oblivious to the rhythm. Just walking in the street, in broad daylight, would be a turn-on if I was wearing a Zentai suit. I visualise my shockingly swollen labia and my painfully hard nipples again. I ignore the gasps from passers-by as I just get on with my daily business. My camel toe is evident, but the increasing humidity between my thighs must be even more obvious. This sheer volume of Zentai stimulus proves too much to me. I'm shuddering and moaning in no time at all. My Zentai-induced orgasmic frenzy is overwhelming. As soon as I get my breath back, I pull up my jogging bottoms and go back to my desk. The screensaver was activated in my absence. After tapping a key, the image of Zentai yoga reappears. Yes, I need to get myself one of those, I think to myself. Then I get on with my article. The book I'm reading now is More Than a Woman by Catelyn Moran. I read How to Be a Woman many years ago. Unfortunately, I read it in Spanish and it was kind of frustrating wondering what the original version was like. And even though I do speak and understand Spanish perfectly, you can't beat original version. But I got sent the book by a publisher here and I thought, mm, okay, let's read this. So this is a book about middle life, um, the kind of um, being middle-aged, um, all the challenges that a woman faces. And the first book was more about the teenage years and being a young woman and discovering sexuality, masturbation, etc. And I think at the beginning, the book starts off with a kind of naive um, perspective on the first book, thinking, oh, that once you've grown up, you're kind of sorted and there are no more challenges, which is definitely not true. I think every age in, in life presents its own challenges and definitely the midlife challenges are definitely uh, noteworthy. And I started reading this um, on my plane journey recently. I went to Sweden last week, which was absolutely amazing. And I bought several books when I was in England in the summer, and this is one of them. So I thought I would read it. It would be a nice read for the plane, and it definitely was. And it's kind of interesting how it is, the chapters are, for example, it goes through a day, like the waking up. Um, for example, just opening this now, chapter 3, 9am, the hour of reflecting on good marriage. And um, chapter 2, what was that one? Um, chapter 1, the hour of the list. Yeah, so it's kind of, um, Catelyn Moran, she's um, a married mother of, um, I think she's got two children. And her life could not be more different from mine. All of the struggles that are in this book, I do not identify with at all. Uh, I think my life as a single child-free woman are so, so, so different. 
And also there was a very interesting um, reflection about um, domestic chores and how men don't seem to see what needs doing in the house or they don't really understand. They don't see if things have been, you know, cleaned up or maybe that something's messy and it needs cleaning up. And I must confess that I've been very fortunate in that uh, in that sense that I've always attracted or subconsciously attracted men who are very, um, very domesticated. And I'm not, I'm not saying... Um, beta men, definitely uh, alpha men, but men who have maybe left home early and they they know how to cook and they, they iron their clothes and they're very, very, very tidy. Whereas I'm the messy one because I have seen women in my life or in my family, you know, picking up stuff after men all the time. And I always believed that. I always thought that's not going to be me. And I think sometimes to some degree, my messiness has been a kind of defense mechanism against becoming a domestic goddess because I just didn't like seeing that representation of women when I was growing up. I thought it was never going to be me because I think um, I grew up in a household where I was the more um, academic one, Um, even though I was female. I wasn't ever going to just... I had very good results at school. I was always in set one and I wasn't around men who challenged me mentally. So I never thought I was going to suddenly become subservient to these men who I didn't feel challenged by when I was a child. Um, I just that wasn't going to happen for me. And I always kind of, I guess I identified more with the archetype of a woman who is an artist, maybe single, maybe, maybe I didn't know, I didn't know back then, but kind of a witchy woman. Because I was thinking the other day about witchcraft, and that's maybe something that I was, I hadn't thought about for a long time. Um, but I was watching Outlander, which I've mentioned as well earlier in this podcast, and there was a witchcraft trial, and that's the first time I ever thought about you know how sad that was you know in, in the past when I mean, we, we studied it at school but it just seemed like these women were kind of weird and evil and having cats and potions and whatever and I realized maybe that's that's my archetype I love my crystals I love my I love my plants and I love doing magic and you know witches were independent women they weren't women who were you know creating families and dependent on men in general you know and that's why they were, that's why they were, um, they stuck out like sore thumbs, I guess, in society. But that's definitely the archetype that I um, identify with. The mother who's kind of coming in from a long day's work and complaining about the mess is just not who I am. And so a lot of these things in this book, a lot of, maybe a lot of women go through, I just don't identify with at all. And I'm kind of really glad that I, that's my case because I have seen that. And I was just determined that that would not be my reality. Other things that made me reflect was, um, you know, to be um, happy and in a marriage after so many years with the same person. Uh, I think I think that's something I have not done, and I don't think I was capable of it so far. Maybe I don't know if, if I will be in the future, but I do love um, having having that ability to be flexible in my life and not really make future plans it's maybe it's part of part uh, partly uh, to do with the fact that I am a commitment foe but it does um paint the picture of domesticity despite maybe a, a man's mess it does seem to be quite um quite attractive let's say and um having a network of people around you yeah so um it's definitely interesting and I'm I'm interested in how different women live their lives because I'm going to prepare an event soon all about different women's life choices and how we choose our life choices for example choosing to marry or or, or not to marry 
divorce, parenthood, child freedom, childlessness, fertility. I think these are things that we should all talk about a little more and support each other. Because I think, um, you know, years ago in life, there was this kind of pattern of events to follow. You, You got married, you had kids, then your kids grow up, then you go to their weddings, and then you retire, then you enjoy your grandchildren. Whereas sometimes if you're not on that path of life, you might feel that you don't have a particular path to follow and you might can feel unguided sometimes. But those people who are on this traditional path can also feel lost as well. And I thought it'd be interesting to kind of compare and contrast experiences. So yeah, I'm definitely enjoying uh, More Than A Woman and um, Catelyn Moran is very entertaining to read. And one thing I do love about this book as well, um, I do identify with is having body confidence without without being um, magazine perfect. And that's a very important message for the world. Um, that's definitely a good thing. I mean, I, I've always felt very comfortable naked, even though I don't consider myself to be perfect. So I think um, not being comfortable in your skin can definitely have a detrimental effect on your sexuality. People who don't feel comfortable, let's say, with the lights on, or um, just not feeling like sex because they don't feel comfortable in their body. I know it happens to a lot of people, but I think um, it's very important to um, make your partner feel desired and also to love yourself as well and not put pressure on yourself to be perfect because none of us really are, even the people who seem perfect are not perfect. So yes, I'm halfway through this book now and I will be continuing it. And it's very entertaining. It was a great thing to read on the plane. There were some juicy bits. The Hour of Marital Sex. I was reading with a, a guy next to me thinking, mm, I hope you can't understand this, but who cares? I'm, I'm still going to read it anyway. And that is More Than a Woman by Catelyn Moran. But let me just read a little bit of the blurb at the back. A decade ago, Catelyn Moran thought she had it all figured out. Her instant bestseller, How to Be a Woman, was a game-changing take on feminism. The patriarchy and the general hoo-ha of becoming a woman. Back then, she firmly believed the difficult bit was over, and her forties were going to be a doddle. If only she had known. When middle age arrives, things get so much more complicated. Now with ageing parents, teenage daughters, a bigger bum, and a to-do list without end, Caitlin Moran is back with more than a woman, a guide to growing older, a manifesto for change, and a celebration of all those middle-aged women who keep the world turning. Yes, sounds great. I'm looking forward to discover more in this pages. Now it's time to slow things down as we prepare for this episode's guided affirmations meditation. It's probably not a good idea to listen to this while driving or operating machinery. Instead, Take a break from whatever you're doing, get comfortable, take a deep breath, and enjoy. I enjoy my fantasies. I am cultivating my erotic imagination. My inner world is a safe space.
looking for a new sex toy? Maybe you have no sex toys. In case you are, I recommend checking out satisfier.com. That's S-A-T-I-S-F-Y-E-R dot com. So it's like satisfier but with a Y instead of an I. And on that website you will find a huge selection of pleasure products, many to choose from for couples, for men, for women, for clitoral stimulation, dual stimulation, anal stimulation, whatever you want. And with the discount code VENUS, you can enjoy 30% off any of your orgasmic purchases. So check out satisfier.com and use the discount code VENUS for 30% off. Enjoy. To find out more about me and my orgasmic lifestyle, visit venusohara.org or follow me on Instagram at instagram.com slash venusohara. Make sure to search for the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening. Have an orgasmic week and make sure every day is a climax.